I think it's a fair statement to make to say that we all have baggage. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a fair statement that everyone has a lot of emotional baggage as well. And as I was thinking about this, I wonder when we check our bags at an airport, and I know that we're not traveling a lot right now, but remember back before the pandemic, uh, when we were traveling, we'd have all these bags. And I think sometimes, you know, we would look at things and I don't know, I would get a little bit embarrassed about how many things that I had, but it got me thinking if I had to check my emotional baggage at the door before, whether it's at the airport or before I go into church or before I hang out with friends, whatever it is, I probably wouldn't go anywhere because I wouldn't want everybody to see how much emotional baggage that I truly had. And today my mom is back with me and we just want to talk about baggage. Funny story, this was something that we had recorded quite some time ago and we lost the recording. So we are thrilled to be able to be here with you today and to just chat about this because we all have baggage. That is a fact and that's not going to change, but what we do with it, that can change. So, as always, let's dive in. Let's unpack it. (laughs) What's that? Hey, friends. I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here, each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically, where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. So anyone who knows me, but I think more than most, my mom could definitely tell you that I overpack. You were a pack rat, now that I think about it. But especially on trips and stuff. Yeah, but just in general, you liked your things around you, you liked all your stuff. And I think you're a bit of a preparer, like well before anything with chronic illness or anything. Mm-hmm. You just kind of want to have all those things that you might need. Yeah. That is, that is a really good way to put it. And of course, once we've gotten to the place where I'm at with, you know, EDS and the things that come with that, my baggage is very different. You know, Jared and I know that the suitcase that I need for clothes is significantly smaller than the medical suitcase. Like those are two completely different things. And then there are normally other bags on top of those bags and bringing all of the extra medical supplies and all the extra braces and the wheelchair. Like there are so many things. And this was about a year ago. It was before right? It was right, it was almost right before the pandemic, like in a sense of right before we all started quarantining. Yeah, I think we had a quarantine like in March in our area and this was early February because it was around the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a friend who was picking me up. My mom was going to meet us there. We were all attending this women's ministry conference. It was like local, but we were staying at a hotel. Yep. Yep. And the night before, Jared was helping me pack and... I looked at him and I said, I don't think I want to go. And he was like, why? You've been talking about this for weeks. Like, you've been so excited. What do you mean you don't want to go? And I was like, no, I don't want to go. Because 
look, like, it's not, if mom was picking me up, then I'd want to go. And he just kind of looked at me and was also, I think, in that mindset of, I'm almost done helping you pack all of your things. I'm not unpacking all of this stuff again. Like, when you're going somewhere. Yeah, right? Yeah. We're using all this. (laughs) That's, That's a fair assumption on his part. Yeah. So... He was like, what's the difference? What's the difference between Lauren coming and picking you up? And all of you guys know Lauren. She is one of the power sheet prep gals. And he was like, what's the difference? And I said, because she's going to see all my stuff. And Jared looked at me and he was like, she's here at the house all the time. She knows that you have a lot of stuff. Like, everyone knows that you have a lot of stuff. And I was like, yeah, but it all has to fit in her car. And there's nobody to help her get stuff into the car. Like, because it was for a weekend. Two nights. And then probably I would say two and a half days because it was one of those, like, Friday evening start. And I have all these things. And then remember, I have my wheelchair. I have the tools that we need for the actual conference itself. My huge pillow. So all of those things put together, I didn't want Lauren to have to see all of those because I didn't want her to have to just carry it all. And I don't want to ask somebody to do that. But I ended up still having Lauren come. And I actually brought it up with her in the car. I said, I need I need you to know I'm so embarrassed about this. I'm so sorry. And she just goes, Cass, I know what your life brings. I prepared for it. That's why I made sure my car was clean. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. I am so thrilled that I was able to help you. But that could have gone a totally different way had I just let myself keep thinking. And honestly, the more that I was thinking, the more emotional baggage I was was creating also true so you had physical baggage and yep. emotional baggage and that's kind of a hot kind of term emotional baggage i mean it has been for a long time now um but it, i think sometimes with those catchphrases or expressions we can kind of dismiss them and not really realize like we're always carrying that you know mm-hmm. so as we were talking about preparing for this podcast there's so many bible verses that are relevant about burdens and we all we have said this i believe in the past we don't want to just come up with a topic or feel led that God's telling us to share a topic and then try to find that cookie cutter verse that fits it. But one that's probably most familiar to to people, even if they don't know too much about the Bible, is from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's Jesus saying that. And it's, I think we've talked about it's easy to kind of misunderstand maybe that verse Mm -hmm. a little bit or or kind of use it as a a way to placate people. But he doesn't expect us to carry all this baggage alone, whether it's emotional baggage or even physical baggage. Mm -hmm. We're not alone, but yet we try to do it on our own will and on our own knowledge. And as we were chatting about this, we kind of wanted to break down a little bit of the different kinds of baggage, different Mm -hmm. examples of that. But also different ways, you know, as we always, we love our practical tips. We probably have a little suitcase of that, don't we? I know, right? You know, that's something we carry with us too. So um, you reminded me of an example from our wedding video from when dad and I were married, which actually this year it's 30 years. Crazy. I know. Uh, Right? And our... our I'm three years, you're 30 years this year. That's so fun, isn't it? I know, that's so cool. So the pastor who did um, our wedding ceremony was from dad's, you know, dad's family. He had been his childhood pastor and it was so so wonderful to have him be able to do our wedding and he really 
gave great illustrations within that ceremony. And one of the things that, it, you know, we've met, we had met with him, we had done the premarital counseling, like all the, all the things. But what I didn't expect him to talk about that just struck me funny. Like, like you know, when you're a bride and you're excited and the day is finally there and, you know, it's pretty young. And we had been, you know, packing for our honeymoon. We also were uh, renting a family house that happened to come about where we had to do a ton of cleanup and a ton of work on this place yeah, just to kind of get it ready. So you're just, you're moving all kinds of stuff when you're going through life change like that. So it's fresh on our minds about boxes and suitcases and all that. And I, I didn't actually, I don't think I even mentioned this to you. Dad and I didn't have like an argument, but he showed me what he was packing. So he was here, you know, mm-hmm. his parents' house packing, I'm at my parents' packing. And he had this gigantic suitcase, first of all, and we were taking a plane and then taking a cruise. So I'm thinking, how do you travel that big old thing and I completely forgot this till right now the man had packed a wool sweater we were going to be going on a Caribbean cruise so I had some serious concerns (laughs) about what else he packed um so there was that on my mind and then he was like well you have a lot of stuff and like in general you know and of course that's just how we girls are you know um that's so, where I get it from. <laughs> so when the pastor ever started mentioning in his message at the wedding that each of us, the dad and I and, you know, the bride and groom come into a relationship with our own baggage, I literally did a little smirk. Like it's on video and I'm an eyeball roller. I think I've confessed that before. And I don't mean eyeball like being sarcastic and, and cranky. Like I just use that as a response, just like somebody might smile. I might just roll my eyes too. So we really discovered that quite a bit in the video that day too because there's evidence of my eyeball rolling at that comment about baggage um so it struck me as funny even though i absolutely knew what he meant like or believed i knew what he meant at that time at my age um you know we 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 both and he really you know gave this beautiful illustration of of christ and the church and the bride and and all of that but just we all come with baggage and that we need to understand that about that other person. Even if it's a lot of positive experiences and things, we have our own point of view from where we've come from. And you know, how do you meld that into a marriage? And thank for, for us, we figured that out. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've had all kinds of changes in our baggage. We've had more burdens that have happened. We've had others that we've been able to let go. We've had upgraded luggage, as I joke about, you know. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can think about that. But I think what's really important is that we're always just thinking about what emotional baggage do we have? Are we using skills to deal with? with that and like you and I were discussing you can think that you know something is from your past or whatever it is pick any burden that you've kind of maybe healed from that or moved on from that and then there can be something that triggers us to remember that situation or whatever and what do you do with that baggage you know so I think that's kind of where we were going to go today Mm -hmm. with some of this so what was was kind of funny as a bride hearing about baggage and you know he used an example of you know behind us you know of course we're facing him and the congregation so you know all our loved ones are like behind us, right? Because we're facing the pastor in that moment. He's like, just imagine behind you all this baggage. And of course, I'm imagining very stylish baggage too, because that, <laughs> that's how I was. But yeah, we, we all carry some baggage. And what do we do with that? I guess it's kind of today's little chat. Yeah. And also looking at that and saying, how, how does our luggage change, especially emotionally, just to be really clear, we're more so talking, you know, right now about emotional baggage, because that's something that we carry with us everywhere, as you were saying, you know, at some point, we we have to look at it and say, are we carrying too much? Are we not carrying enough? 
Or have we taken something upon ourselves to carry that we don't need to? I think that there are a lot of those things and something that I find with dealing with past, whether it's trauma or life experience, whatever that may be, when we get into situations that remind us of those things, it's like the whole suitcase at that point just like explodes open. And we have a choice to be able to say, well, do we want to just pack this all back up and wait for it to explode the next time? Or do we want to try to work on this? Because it's not saying that the bag won't explode next time, but we may be more prepared for the bag to explode. Yeah. And if you're thinking about visuals, I'm thinking about like, did you ever try to shove so much in a suitcase? You're literally like, you know, you show they show those funny TV shows or whatever, and someone's sitting like, hey, come sit on the suitcase for me because I can't get this zipped mm-hmm. up or whatever, snapped in. Or... You manage to get everything in. That thing is so heavy. Oh my word. You know, like, should you be doing that? Um, some of the work that I do now is ergonomics within the nursing job that I have is sometimes some people complain about a shoulder discomfort or wrists or whatever it is. And I'm just thinking of this now. Um, I had somebody who came to see me about like ongoing, just kind of her back and this and that. And of course, our our work environment can contribute to these things but so often I find that it's not in the type of work that this person was doing it's not a repetitive use injury it's Mm -hmm. what are you doing like what are you doing how do you get to work what are you bringing in with you to work how do you oh how how many oh you take flights of stairs you take the elevator you park where you do what so fortunately this person had actually just come from where her office was it's kind of a campus that I'm at so she had her purse with her and you know after getting to know her and she sees that I'm trying to help her I was like can you do me a favor? Can we weigh that? Because we had a scale obviously in there. Mm-hmm. So heavy. And that's all on one shoulder that she mm-hmm. was slinging that. And that didn't even include like her lunch bag, her laptop, those other stuff that was still in her car. So what we found for her case was dividing the weight more mm-hmm. evenly, which we should all do, right? You think about all the, all the junk we're all carrying. But that's kind of a lesson for life too. And that was enough for her to actually, mm-hmm. that was enough of a change. Dividing up the weight, seeing what she could get out of that bag that she didn't even need. We do overpack even for work if you're somebody mm-hmm. who works. You know, we worry about, oh, let me have this there, that there. We're doing a healthy food challenge, like a healthy nutrition challenge at work, marches nutrition month and um i was like oh i should bring a couple things to work that i used to keep at work that i haven't so it's kind of some basics that you can put with your lunch or whatever well that first day i'm carrying all that junk in my bag (laughs) you know know, like uh and then my coworker was doing that too she had like a special salad dressing and different things so how were we bringing that into work was i throwing Mm -hmm. that all in one bag was i dividing that up she was smarter she divided hers all up more ergonomically than i had but sometimes that's a big part of it too is, is you can't always get rid of some things if you can that's great but you get to divide the weight up And maybe sometimes let someone else help you too. Yeah. Letting someone else help is a huge part of it because it's really hard. You have to be very vulnerable with somebody to be able to go through literally physical or emotional baggage. That is a piece of you that you are sharing with somebody else and you're trusting them with that experience or whatever it is that you're sharing with them. And there are going to be times that we can't necessarily replace negative memories. We can't, we definitely can't erase them. But there are things that we can do to try to start moving forward to make it better for next time. And I think of you sharing with me when you would draw blood um, at the hospital 
how you saw that image of the bag starting to kind of like explode and unzip and how you had to help reframe what was going on yeah and that position um was really neat i got to meet people as they were coming on as new staff and they needed like a pre-employment screening and um, if they're doing direct care like say it was a nurse who's going to do direct care i need to really make sure that he or she had all the immunity to all the things that they could be exposed to you know to keep to keep the employee safe right so sometimes if they didn't have records, whatever, um, we would offer to draw blood work and check their titers, check their immunity and be sure. And we'd give them whatever vaccines they needed, etc. Um, if that was the case. But, you know, everybody comes from all these different experiences with blood work. Somebody may have never had it before. Somebody had terrible experiences with it. Um, somebody was just, you know, maybe their veins aren't great, whatever. So the, all of that baggage, so to speak, mm-hmm. I really would have to try to allow time for that because some people were zip zip I got it done. Not a, They're like, oh, I don't even care. They talk through the whole thing. They'd watch what I did, whatever. Others, like, this was really serious. It was enough that they were almost like, I wasn't almost going to do this because I was afraid of this part. Okay, so that's where it comes into, all right, you and I are in a trusting relationship here. I'm here to help get this done. I'm trusting you two to also listen. And I'm going to need you to keep that arm still, <laughs> you know, both of us could get hurt, you know, those kinds of things. So I really would try to gauge that when I was doing a nursing assessment anyway, going doing whatever I had to do about their health and see if that was going to be an issue. I thought that was kind of interesting that I had read a study and I was thinking of this for today. I do not know where that study is. But basically, I, I learned that when we go to deal with something pain, potentially painful, like perceived as potentially harmful, painful, uncomfortable, something we don't want to do. We'll keep it in the realm of getting your blood drawn. You can think of any other example you want to as we're talking about this. Our mind automatically, especially the second I put that tourniquet on, races. It races to remember, like, wait, what have I had this before? Have I done this before? Is this going to be okay? There's all these things that we are pulling from, from our memories about that. And I would actually talk to somebody sometimes about that. Like, hey, you know, okay, you just shared with me you had this horrible experience. People will say it quite a bit with the dentist too. The dentist is a huge one where people have had a lot of trauma. And I say, okay, so right now your mind is remembering this happened to you here and that happened there. Let, let's talk about this. Let's, let's, okay, let me, let's, I'm not even going to do a tourniquet yet, but let, let me just look at your arm. Let me look at you, look at your vein. Wow. Okay. With your permission, I'm just going to put this tourniquet on and let's see how, let's see what, what the vein is. Look, look at that. So you see that that is what my plan is. Um, And then, you know, what I would discuss with them is let's make this a, a better future memory. So that today you will be able to draw on this experience, didn't mean any pun with drawing, but (laughs) you will be able to recall this and be like, oh yeah, I was really nervous, but this is what we did. This worked really well, you know, and they're going to remember that, I hope. And I can't say 100% of the time I got everybody's blood perfectly. Maybe I got it and, you know, the vein collapsed or or whatever. And guess what? There's a second stick. But not often. You know, I really did have a very good track record. By that point, I had been doing this for many years in some capacity or another. And I, my first time doing phlebotomy regularly, it was with very challenging patients. Hmm. So that really helped me not challenging mentally or any or attitude they were just physically it was very challenging to get blood work from this particular population so that helped prepare me for this so I guess hopefully you're not freaked out about <laughs> thinking about blood work don't get hung up on that but the point is they were able to kind of access new new tools and 
what we kind of talked about too is you have to know what your tool is. Um, I, I had everything ready. I was prepared 100% to do whatever I needed to. If I actually thought someone could potentially faint, because hello, there are fainters with that, I would already um, mention to a colleague who was in the next room, hey, um, I'm going to draw blood in a second on this person, but could you just be right by? And she would come by the doorway. And I know it's stereotypical, but it is true. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. It was some of my big tough guys were the ones who really struggled. Um, they'd be more likely my fainters. But, you know, it's having the right tools. Now, there's a lot of tools that you use in nursing. I had already used a stethoscope and checked their blood pressure and different things. That's not going to help me in that moment using the wrong tool. I needed the right tools for that. And I think that is another thing, too, is what tools are you using? What coping mechanisms? What things are you using to deal with whatever that baggage is? Because one tool isn't going to work for everything and I think it's worth mentioning I know that I deal with it it's starting to be talked about more within uh, the chronic illness community but medical PTSD is real oh yeah it is so very real and one of the reasons that I think we can get so worked up is just even hearing my mom say the word tool I would not be surprised if somebody thought of a toolkit. Yes. And here's the thing, friends. I am right there with you. I don't typically use the word toolkit. It's not exactly worth remembering in that sense of I have a lot of experience of, you know, people and doctors saying, let's put all these things in your toolbox, but leaving out some tools and just expecting the ones that were in there to work for everything. Yeah. And here's the thing. Breathing techniques are great. They are helpful. They are. Absolutely. There is a place, a time and a place for them and they are needed. They are a tool. But breathing techniques are not going to fix my dislocated kneecap. Now, it may help me, you know, as they're putting the kneecap Mm -hmm. back in, it's probably going to help me if I take those slow, deep breaths, but that's not going to stop my pain. Right, because you may be in that moment, most likely, and actually that used to happen even with the blood work, we hold our breath. Mm-hmm. Like we, I kind of use the expression, we brace for impact. And uh, I find that even if I'm given a vaccine or whatever, I'll, I'll have to remind them, hey, I just want to take a nice breath. And they don't even realize they've stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you're right. You know, yes, everything was just tense in my body, you know. But again, people, you can think you're so prepared for something. And let, let's stop talking about even like medical trauma Mm -hmm. um you could think you're ready to deal with something around a job you can think you're ready to deal with something around parenting something maybe there's been something very complex in your family structure and you think you're ready to talk to that family member and you've maybe you've even done counseling maybe you've Mm -hmm. done all kinds of things to really be ready for this and how many times have you maybe you felt this way I know I have oh I wish I said that or I just got myself like as soon as that person started like everything went out the window that I had planned Mm -hmm. on talking about or I I normally can listen so much better and I I couldn't even listen to what they had to say because I was just having this reaction immediately I felt my Mm -hmm. blood pressure go up or my heart rate go up or whatever and you're frustrated with yourself like why wasn't why wasn't I able to listen better why did I just jump to you know to that well guess what we go with what we know and very often that could be a protective mechanism that you automatically got defensive oh she's gonna say this Mm -hmm. about that and that's gonna tick me off and you know and it's from something years ago it's all these learned patterns and behaviors so what do you do with all this we all we all have something you know i know i'm gonna say the word one more time i'm gonna try not to say it again but (laughs) 
when we think of our toolbox, okay, and we love practical tips here, we love making sure that we don't end our time together without helping for ourselves and for you guys to be able to take what you're we're talking about here and put it into practice, I really encourage you to evaluate your toolbox because here's the thing. You may have a gajillion things in there and starting out, sometimes we don't know what tools we're gonna need. So we have a lot in there, but over time, I know for myself what I typically are my go-to things and the things that I don't need. But when I keep the things that don't work for me and I still leave them in there, it's harder for me to learn new things Mm -hmm. because the box is already full. It's also hard to find what you need. Yeah. And I just, I can't encourage you more to evaluate what you're carrying in every sense of how I said that. You know, evaluate it because at some point your suitcase is going to get full and that's when you have to decide, do I need another one? Which sometimes we do. Or we may say, you know what? I can take out those couple things that I really don't need because I'm gonna trust that I have what I need. And even though I'm going away for three days, I don't need 10 pairs of underwear. You know, (laughs) like that sort of thing. And I think what you were saying too, counseling is a great step. I am so vocally pro-counseling. I think it is helpful for everyone our world I truly believe would be a much better place if we all had counseling sharing the load as well I know we talked about that but not only does Jesus want to give you his strength and his hope but he he also wants to share the load with you and you most likely have people in your life that if you're vulnerable with them you share that with them they're gonna help you carry the load because they want to, because they love you, but they don't have an opportunity to help unless you allow them to. Right, and we're all on a journey, you know, wherever that is. Um, and I, my hope in doing this too is that people just become more sensitive. Even if you're somebody that's like, I don't know what they're talking about with all this baggage. I feel like things are pretty good, whatever. That's great, but maybe you can be more sensitive that someone you live with, somebody you are friends with, somebody you work with, somebody you're especially reading their posts on Instagram or whatever their social media thing is, you know, can you maybe be a little more sensitive that maybe they're dealing with something? I have seen people sometimes have this huge reaction to something, especially with what a volatile time it is in our, our country here in the United States, and I guess the world too you know, people react so strongly to something. And I sometimes think, why was that such a big deal to that person? Like it, it, it wasn't such a big deal to me, but why Why did they have feel so strong? Actually, I just heard a thing about movie reviews. You watch a movie trailer and of course they're putting the best of the movie in there. So I kind of joke with dad, oh, why do you make me watch movie trailers? It either gives away something that I didn't want to see. I want to see it in the movie. Or guess what? They made that whole, that was, you just saw the best part of that whole movie and the rest of it was a waste of time. But there was just a thing about a recent movie that came out, um, you know, people are watching it on streaming because of, you know, they're not going to movie theaters really. It was completely opposite reviews. It was either like five stars or one. or two. And I'm like, how can all these people have such different opinions? And they're almost arguing with each other even though they're not communicating with each other in the reviews they're commenting on other reviews and I'm like wow like what is the deal with this so again it's kind of our point of reference what might be a big deal for somebody is not enough I do I've always found it hard when I'd hear somebody go 
that isn't such a big deal. Seriously, they need to just get over it. Maybe somebody finally needs to work through something to, to be over it, but that's their reality. That is their journey. That is what they are going through. We we can't just dismiss that. And I think we I think we can all identify with feeling dismissed in some way or another about whatever our concern is. And I think you brought up a really good point as well. And it's sometimes this comes out of people being insensitive, but I actually see it happen far more often the other way around. You know, when someone wants to help or they see a situation they're in, everyone loves to assume what you need. Oh, true. The amount of times that I have had people assume what I need, let me tell you, it's nothing close to what I need. (laughs) I'm just saying, it's not. And I actually remember once there was someone at my parents' church. I had come for an event that you were doing and she came up to me and I didn't know her that well. And she just said, hey, Cassie, I just want to let you know, um, if you need anything, I'm right over here. You can just let me know because you were running the event. So mm-hmm. I didn't have you as my like right, go-to right. person right there. And I remember I, I actually sent this woman a thank you note after because that was one of the first people that had ever come up to me and didn't assume what I needed. She just said, hey, I know you're going through a lot and I don't really know what I can do, but if you need anything, know that I'm right here. I'll be your person today. And that is just so wonderful, isn't it? Such right? a gift. It it literally left me shocked because the amount of times that people just come up to me and assume what I need when I don't, it gets me really frustrated. So I think whether you are out of love telling somebody what worked for their family member or their friend who has the same illness as you do or they've walked through the same grief you have and here's what they feel like you need, I really would encourage you Because their baggage may look similar to yours, but the thing's exactly the same. And I just think that just like you're saying, being sensitive to what someone else is going through, one of the best ways that we can do that is to ask them what they need and not tell them what they need. Something that, you know, my mom has done in nurse coaching, but she has also uh, helped me with. Now, granted, my we call ourselves the quad and eventually you'll get to meet everybody. But the quad is uh, Jared, myself, my mom and my dad, and we make up my like core medical team, right? And in that, you know, you guys typically honestly know what I need for the most part. And I'm also very good about communicating to you what I need and also what I don't need sometimes. Mm -hmm. Something though that has been super great from your nurse coaching that I think you've lightly carried into me, but I know helps so many people, as you've said, what would be most helpful for you today? You didn't tell me what I needed. You didn't tell me that all these phone calls. Now, you may have known what I need to do. Because I am your mom. But <laughs> the thing is, like, you may know what I need to do, but you also know that I most likely know what I need to do. Yeah, and sometimes we just need to do that self-check. I even do it for myself sometimes. What do I need to do right now? Why am I feeling this way is the thing I do. We're kind of almost a body scan. I'll realize I feel I get really kind of tight in my neck, you know, the expression pain mm-hmm. in the neck. Or I'll feel like my chest, like I'm not fully inhaling, exhaling, like to the depth that I can, you know. And I'll kind of be like, why am I feeling this way? Quick little self-audit. Sometimes I really don't know. Sometimes it's something like completely silly, like I had that extra cup of coffee that I should not have had because now the caffeine's got me anxious Mm -hmm. or something. But other times it was something that just made me think and made me have that feeling or whatever, maybe even more so as a mom, I'm thinking about your kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what's helpful now? You know, what can I do about that? And we're not always at a place that we can think clearly like that. And we don't always have a support structure where someone else can help lead you that way. 
but hopefully just in these kind of podcasts you know it'll generate you to kind of think about well what can I do you know if you look up about being emotionally healthy um, there's there's tons of great resources and faith based as well you know because we can say oh just give it to Jesus (laughs) okay that doesn't help that I can't pay my rent right now and this is happening and that is happening it is going to help you in the long run but it's not going to help in that minute Mm -hmm. you know I guess that's probably one of the most important things that I can say to you is practice the pause first of all pause for a moment quiet your mind a little or quiet your speaking even uh quiet the noise around you and then just ask yourself what would be most helpful right now and as you said i think the other point to that too was saying you know we don't always have people who can ask us that it's wonderful when we do and it is something that you know jared and i have found something that works for us where I'll say um, when one of us, you know, we can clearly see the other is thinking and processing something and has just been quiet rather than asking a ton of questions or assuming what they need, we will look to one another and one of us will say, can you just think out loud for me for a minute? Oh, I like that too. And then it doesn't create any pressure to each of us, whoever said it, we just listen. We just sit there and listen. And that can be so helpful. So one, talk with the people in your circle if this is effective. And if you don't have somebody to ask you this question today, or you don't have a mom who can encourage you, what would be most helpful right now? And then ask what will be most helpful next. And then unpack the suitcases and try to put them away. Friends, as our time here comes to an end, I want you to know that the resources don't stop here. At livingthechronicillnesslife.com, you can find blog posts, videos, the Grace and Goals interactive resource library, free downloads, and even these episodes right here to help you continue cultivating an intentional life right where you are, no matter how uncertain the season. Whether you're working to build an intentional life with your daily habits, planting a garden, setting goals, or simply resting well, you can cultivate an intentional life. Head to livingthechronicillnesslife.com to access all of these resources, and I'll see you next week.